0: Hello, that's Sarah. And that is Emily. And this
1: is Lightweight, Lightweight
0: True Crime. crime. <laughs> 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 week plastic cups. doesn't
1: make sounds
0: so this is um what one would call a gin and tonic
1: <laughs> it is what one would call a gin and tonic we have been having cocktails and or wine or bottled cocktails um mostly of dark liqueurs liquors yes. as it was. We have
0: lots of whiskey you have a ton house. of whiskey
1: in this house and i was like you guys come over to my side and have some gin so i brought a bottle of bombay sapphire gin oh and i forgot you kind of don't you're, you don't well, haven't had a lot of gin. Yeah. And but our girl um, friend of the podcast Anne he is here and made us some G and T's. Uh, and this is my standard. This is my go to anywhere. This
0: is my first taste of a G. And it's I like think.
1: a forest in your mouth. And it's the best.
0: See, I've only had forest in your mouth and it
1: not been good. Oh, and these are good. Well okay, done, Annie. Let's, let's see. Because this is the real deal. This is really good gin. It's good tonic. Yeah. Okay, it's like the Pacific Northwest. It's what it tastes like.
0: It's very lime. Mm-hmm. It's like Seven Up with a kick.
1: Yep. And I. That's a good descriptor. Honestly,
0: about of it. About it. You're, I am you're, about you're, of it. You're
1: about of it. Um. Hey, catching up on our true crime stuff that we watch and/or listen to. Mm-hmm. I meant to tell you. Yeah. Um. And I did actually save it for the podcast this time. We didn't talk about this previously. Is today at the gym? I watched the first part of the first episode of Don't F with Cats. <gasps>
0: Oh no. Um
1: and as I was watching it I was like, "Oh my gosh, this must have been so hard for Emily to watch."
0: I've literally been in a funk like since then.
1: That no, that makes sense. Um so but like I was like, "Oh my gosh, I mean, I'm not a I mean, obviously I find it horrible, yeah. but like I'm not a huge animal person, yeah. so it didn't affect me that way." But that also ties into the anecdote I was meaning to tell you. Uh-huh. So I I get I'm like blah 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 gym 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 fitness and so i go to the gym and i i like do gym 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 fitness so i who's gym (laughs) my workout partner my trainer got it um so i go to the gym and like i go i use the stairmaster a lot right so old hat so i get up on the stairmaster and you know how usually like as you're putting in like the type of workout you want to do the stairmaster goes really really slow until you like put in (laughs) the level and started dying So no one bothered to tell me that this Stairmaster was broken. So it starts going lightning fast, like as soon as I step onto it. So the next thing you know, in order to not fall, I am like running on the Stairmaster. And I'm thinking to myself, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. I'm like, okay, I have to jump off of this thing, but I really don't want to eat it in the middle of this LA Fitness. And I was like, okay, I timed it. And I jumped off without um without falling but it was the scariest like 12 seconds of my life but then I get on the Stairmaster like next to that one and people keep trying to get on the one that's broken and everyone in the row goes oh that one's broken don't get on it and I'm like like, oh excuse me me. like everyone was perfectly content to watch me fall to my death on the Stairmaster this morning but then I watched Don't F with Cats on it on the
0: and you were like so mad that you were like faster
1: yeah, exactly. And I just burned okay. a bunch of calories for my rage.
0: So I Googled what a Stairmaster is just now. <laughs> I was
1: like, what are you looking at your computer
0: for? <laughs> so is it one of these ones that looks more like an elliptical or no. it has actual it stairs? It has actual stairs that
1: are like moving. And so so it's
0: like a tiny escalator that takes you nowhere
1: yes but like you have to be climbing the stairs yeah and so it's very it was so scary when it started going insanely fast because i was like i can't keep up with this and it was clearly broken and but i didn't want to fall and like hit my teeth on the edge of the stairs or i just didn't want to eat it in the middle of the gym there were too many people there i wouldn't have been able to go back yeah it was Um, pretty bad My life's really hard is what I'm trying to say. I
0: heard people talk about Stairmasters before, Mm -hmm. and they sound hilarious. I've never really needed to know what they look like. Mm -hmm. Until
1: until tonight. Until now,
0: and that's nuts. It's... It's an intense
1: machine. It is an intense machine. Um, But yeah, so... But I almost met my maker on it this morning.
0: Yeah. So... But also, don't F with cats is like... Okay, so I I like knew the story. I knew like about... um, What's his name? I Magnata. don't, don't,
1: don't give anything away. No, I don't know I anything won't. about it. Okay.
0: But you, you watched the part where he like made videos that he put on YouTube, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: So I knew like the story about Luca Magnata, but I thought that the beginning part, the part about the cats was fake. Like I thought that somehow they had figured out that the videos that he uploaded oh. to YouTube were fake. And so watching it, realizing it's not
1: fake. Yeah just like
0: F with my mind
1: for sure the thing I kept thinking about though because yeah like totally yeah. horrible because I haven't quite finished the first episode but you see this like online community that just immediately like throws yeah, everything goes, into like find this guy right they find that guy but I I want to be like yes but can we also all collectively agree to put this same type of energy into things when like in Steubenville when those two yeah. girls were raped at a high school party and like it wound up on social media yeah. how like can we also like as humanity agree mm. that we're all going to be like this involved in believing survivors and like finding perpetrators yeah cuz yeah. like let's keep being mad about the cat thing which we should because that Absolutely. is the sign of a violent person but like let's also treat human women the, the same, same is what i'm saying. Yeah. Like don't f with totally. women is what i'm saying. Yeah. Listen, i get that it's a lot to ask. But if right, you don't ask, you don't get it. Why
0: would we like listen, we've never done anything to deserve <laughs> not being <laughs> asked with, you, you know? know? I,
1: you're 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 entirely right, Emily. Thank you for bringing me off my high yeah, horse. Yeah, yeah, I get that for sure.
0: Just kidding. JK. Don't, don't feminists f- with us.
1: don't f with lightweight true crime. A podcast um, where two girls share a drink and a story. A
0: drink and a story.
1: A drink and a story. A drink and a story. <laughs> um, it should be noted that usually when we're getting ready to record and Emily and I are testing the volumes on our microphones, i.e. Ryan's testing the volumes, we've somehow slipped into, like as our vocal warm up, tucking it up
0: yeah. on, on the Barry, Barry Gibbs talk show. show. And Which I think is in one of the episodes somewhere. It is.
1: It's in like a raw cut i um, and I because I usually listen No, I
0: think Ryan put it in one of the episodes. oh it's in one of the
1: episodes well our yeah. lucky listeners that's magnificent I,
0: know. I haven't I haven't listened to them since Ryan has like cut and put the the stuff in
1: which let us note the that jingle. our jingle was written and played by our executive producer
0: Ryan C. oh Guzman. plug his um what's
1: his account oh my
0: god at GearFever on instagram
1: is ryan guzman's new guitar stuff yeah. account
0: so ryan as much as we love crime ryan oh my god oh my gosh <laughs> <laughs> my cat just tried to jump on the table
1: <laughs> realized there was stuff there and that we, nope. was terrifying imagine if we'd been telling a story oh my god. a true crime <laughs> totally story. a
0: mufasa moment where she was falling
1: off <laughs>
0: okay so ryan loves guitars and gear he has how many guitars not enough? No, give us the number. Seven and a half. He has seven and a half guitars wow. right now. He has a bajillion pedals. Um, He's been buying and selling stuff for like ever. And so he talks to me about that stuff. And I listen. <laughs> and, and I, ha- and I listen. I've learned, you know, a little bit. But like... I just feel bad because, like, I have somebody to talk about crime with. Yeah, you
1: have me. And now, now he, he has, has Instagram. He has, to has more talk Instagram about. followers than we do.
0: I know. That's okay. He's gonna take over our our Instagram. He, he deserves it. But if you like guitars or music or beautiful pictures of guitars or gear or this podcast, <laughs> go follow him on at Gear Fever. Right, at Instagram dot At Instagram
1: dot com dot <laughs> gov. Dot gov. Um Amazing. I have a story anyways, to tell you. Yeah. Are you ready for it?
0: I am. While we drink our GMTs? The GMTs. Okay. There's some girls whispering there in the back of the there room. Are some I would like to know. Do you have something you would like would to you share have with you? like to share with class? No.
1: Friends of the podcast okay. Ann and D- science doctor Kelsey are here this evening s- serving as our um as our bartenders and moral support. Yes. Our live audience. Okay, yeah. so... This is our first live show. This is our first live show. Oh, my gosh. Good for us. They said we're doing good. Oh, my gosh. Yes. So I'm going to tell you the story of Julie Doe, and it. I have to say that I got most of my information from an article in The Atlantic by Sarah Zhang uh, called Sleuths Are Haunted by the Cold Case of Julie Doe. So, I'm assuming Doe is not a real last name. Correct. Neither is kay. Julie, her first name. Okay. So... In September of 1988, in a very first three minutes of Law and Order type of scene, a man uh, looking for cypress wood, because I guess cypress wood is really good to build furniture out of. Okay. Um, I immediately just pictured it was like a street name. Oh, no. I'm sorry. He okay. was looking for actual that's, cypress wood. That's. I live in Southern California. I've never <laughs> seen real trees. Yeah, that's true. So a man looking for cypress wood in the marshy uh, forests of Florida stumbles across a body
0: like the tree is a cypress
1: (laughs) (laughs) yes okay let's recap this emily (laughs) so a guy is in the forest
0: (laughs) i'm i'm on track now I, i get it i was like wow isn't that funny how a tree is called cypress wood like, you'd have to, like, yeah. if you made stuff out of its wood, it'd be cypress wood wood. Yeah. <laughs> and I realized, oh, okay.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this man is looking for cypress wood in the marshy forest of Florida, and he comes across a body. The body was severely decomposed, making facial recognition impossible, but police made note of what they could. The victim was wearing a denim skirt and pantyhose that had been rolled down, uh, suggesting sexual assault. Uh, the body had manicured nails, long dyed blonde hair, and breast implants. The victim was white between the ages of 22 and 35, about 5'10 and 170 pounds. Shortly thereafter, an autopsy revealed that she had a previously fractured cheekbone and a broken nose, as well as a healed rib fracture. It also appeared that the body had been dragged from the nearby road into the woods where it had been found. So, mm. like, assumed that it was she, the woman was killed elsewhere, but then dumped in the woods. Got it. So an experienced forensic anthropologist examined the body and noticed pitting in the pelvic bones, which he attributed to hormonal changes from childbirth, right? Mm-hmm. You know better than I that your body changes. Correct.
0: My pelvic bone is pitted.
1: Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, he identified her as a woman who had more than likely given birth more than once. And from that point on, she was known as Julie Doe. So that's 1988. So in 2015, DNA science and testing has advanced, like, a great deal, right? And it revealed that the person found in the woods of Florida actually had XY chromosomes, meaning that Julie Doe was a transgender woman. And the pitting in her pelvic bones was likely the result of hormone therapy and not childbirth. Uh So even though they were able to identify that Julie was a transgender woman, this genetic testing didn't lead them any closer to her real identity or her real name. So Julie Doe's case was the very first case taken up by the Trans Doe Task Force, a group started by Lee and Anthony Redgrave in 2018, which consists of a small group of volunteers that specialize in cold cases with transgender victims So Lee and Anthony originally began their work in this area as volunteers with the nonprofit DNA Doe Project, which that organization tries to find names for unidentified bodies through genetic genealogy. So, and obviously you and I know this, but not everyone may know this, Genetic genealogy is an investigative method that attempts to solve crimes using DNA databases and family tree research. Um, So, genetic genealogy has breathed new life into cold cases in recent years, most notably the arrest of Joseph D'Angelo, the Golden State Killer. Shout out, Paul Holmes. Shout out, Paul Holmes, Billy Jensen. So, um, they had the Golden State Killer's DNA, um, but but no hits on him in the system, but they were able to compare it to other. DNA matches within GEDmatch that were like shared genetic markers with him and then because they knew those who those people were who submitted their DNA to GEDmatch they were able to build out a family tree um, and eventually arrest Joseph D'Angelo yeah so Lee Redgrave so the DNA Joe the DNA Doe project uses genetic genealogy to identify that's awesome previously unidentified victims so Lee Redgrave who identifies as gender non-binary and Anthony a trans man who is actually born intersex quickly saw the limits of DNA and family trees for victims who are transgender in their work with the DNA doe project so for trans victims genetic genealogy is most likely to lead to a dead name the name they were born under but not the name they have chosen and live by so they saw this need, and this led this couple to found the Trans Doe Task Force to bridge the gap between genetics and lived identity. That's awesome. Isn't that amazing? So I've never heard of this. It's fairly recent. Like 2018 was when they started it. And so the case of Julie Doe was yeah. the, one they, the first one they took. So the task force identifies cases with trans victims or victims they suspect to be trans, And once those victims' birth names are found using genetic genealogy, so they still work closely with the DNA Doe Project, Mm -hmm. um, the Trans Doe Task Force volunteers to look for other clues to their lived identities. Yeah. Um, Anthony Redgraves has said... The, this preliminary case finding work and eventual follow up work does not fall under the scope of the DNA Doe Project, yeah. whose mission is to identify does to law enforcement for legal identification purposes. So they right. they are looking to give them back their in death real, their, their real life. identities. Not
0: yeah, not just their birth right. Names, What's their yeah their what paper trail yeah.
1: He goes on to say, we realize that we would want to not only find the birth or legal identities of trans or gender variant does, but that we would want to try to go beyond that and be able to give them back their chosen names and chosen families as well. Yeah. Because a lot of People in the LGBTQ community, not a lot, but like more than the cisgender community are rejected by their families and so their biological families and so have chosen families who are actually the ones who should know if they've been murdered and if they've been positively identified. So um, in the human rights campaign, HRC, an organization, the human Mm -hmm. rights campaign, their 29 report Twenty (laughs) nine, the year of our lord Lord, 29 um 2019 way back for real uh in their 2019 report on anti-trans violence uh they stress the importance of correctly identifying trans victims saying that in several of the stories in this report which you can go online google the human rights campaign um anti-trans violence report for 2019 you can download it and read a bunch of stories about this issue and find out ways to help But they say, in several of the stories in this report, law enforcement, media, and even loved ones have denied, ignored, or intentionally erased victims' gender identities. Using correct identifiers and pronouns isn't just about accuracy. It's about affording all individuals the respect and dignity that everyone deserves moreover in order to end anti-transgender violence we must acknowledge the true identities of its victims and address the ways in which societal attitudes regarding these identities may have played a role in their deaths so since their founding um, the trans doe task force has focused on finding cases in which victims may be trans however this task force runs up against a criminal justice system not often equipped to handle the complexities of sex and gender And just as a refresher for all of us, sex refers to biological differences. Gender refers to learned social roles. Um, So trans women are targeted as victims of violent crime at a much higher rate than cis women. Right. And you and I are cis women, women whose sense of personal identity and gender correspond with our birth sex. And we are less likely to be targeted um, as victims of violence crime than trans women. Yes. And as per usual, as with most things, the numbers are even worse for people of color and particularly oh, trans really? women of color. Yeah, hard to believe. And in 2019, the American Medical Association called the killing of transgender women of color an epidemic. And also according to research done by the Human Rights Campaign, in 2019, 91% of murdered trans women were black. Dang. And Right? 91%. That's... Disgusting, disgusting. And 81 percent were under the age of 30. Holy moly. So the ma- vast majority were black trans women our age. Our age. Yeah. But even, because we're
0: under 30, because we are
1: under 30, claim it for as long as we can. But even with this reality of violence against trans women of color being an epidemic, a lot of agencies aren't really keeping track of the number of trans people in their systems the National Missing and Unidentified Person System, NAMIS, right? Yeah. You hear that all the time in true crime. Like it's a very well-established, um, well-known system. Their database added an other option for sex mm-hmm. of missing persons only in June of 2019.
0: Oh my gosh. Not even a full year ago. Not even a full year ago. And So what? That means the options are male, female, yeah, other? that's
1: it. So other was just added like six months ago, basically is there a spot to like clarify what other means or, so, and the database does not have a separate category okay, for gender. There you go. So it's just sex, right? So like sex is refers to your biology, right? Your chromosomes. Yeah. Um, so there's oh, like, so it doesn't like, so it doesn't even actually refer even to live you, ident- lived identity. Oh,
0: so it would, so the other really only applies to like, What is happening in there? I don't know. But our executive producer just
1: left. Whatever. Um, So it doesn't even actually. It doesn't refer to lived identity. It only.
0: So that doesn't even affect like trans people. Right. It doesn't help
1: in the identification of trans individuals. Um, And the other. So the other option. Because there's also like intersex people exist. Yeah. And so that gives no one like any way to identify themselves. If you're an intersex individual. So Amy Michael, who is a biological anthropologist at the University of New Hampshire, she is working with the Trans Doe Task Force. She says, it's just so difficult to get a handle on statistics like this because individuals are misgendered in police reports, especially in cold cases. They say biological male found with a wig. Well, that could be something. Yeah. Or it could be nothing like that could be a trans individual. It could be someone dressed up in drag because if you do drag doesn't mean you're trans. Right. It could be a Halloween costume. Like. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Yeah. It could be anything. It could be anything. Um, Law enforcement is not is just not literate on the issue. Yeah. She says.
0: Which I I get that like law enforcement tends to like struggle with some of those things because it's. It's hard to change Well and if you're not given the
1: right If you're not given the right tools If it doesn't come from the top Like if you're not given the training Yeah um, exactly Then how are you supposed to
0: But but even like it's hard It's hard to Change like it's hard for Cops and investigators To be able to refer to some of these victims Like even if they know like Oh they're trans But obviously like They're biological sex they were born male so if they're like in namus they have to put it as male so it's it's hard to like even be sensitive in those areas it has to be like tools aren't given
1: systemic changes or else like it can't be fixed like it can't just be like i'm sure there are a lot of like really well intended in in, like investigators out there but if they don't have the tools to properly identify their victims and refer to them as their lived identity then their good intentions don't matter yeah yeah So thanks to a fundraiser set up by the Trans Doe Task Force, um, a third round of DNA extraction was able to be performed on Julie Doe. So I guess they've done two other rounds before, um, but these things cost money. And so the Trans Doe Task Force um, was able to provide funds that they could do that third round. And so through that genetic testing, they were able to figure out that Julie Doe was likely from the South Florida area, which Uh is where her remains were found, which I mean, that's good. That helps them narrow down
0: in an area where cypress trees grow in an
1: area where cypress wood to build furniture can be found. So the police or
0: that guy was just crazy or that
1: guy, or he was just taking like a leisurely stroll through the marshes of South Florida. Um, so the police released a new sketch of Julie in 2015, hoping to refresh anyone's memory because now they know she was from Florida. Right. Yeah. So they're hoping to refresh anyone's memory who is in Florida in the late 1980s and may have crossed paths with a young trans woman beginning her transition. Right. Yeah. Like really focusing on LGBTQ communities who would have known this young woman. Yeah. Um, So as long as they have leads and DNA to go off of, the trans doe task force has vowed to not give up searching for Julie's identity and bringing her killer to justice. Uh, If you want to donate, you can Google Trans Doe Task Force and you can be part of the work that they are doing to give these victims their chosen names and identities back. Um, And to quote the Human Rights Campaign report again, which I can't like stress enough how incredible it was, um, they say, we can all do our part to support transgender and non-binary community advocates throughout the US, or throughout the US. Transgender and non-binary people across the country lead communities and organizations both large and small frequently advancing crucial policies and programs supporting the transgender and non-binary community. Yet these communities and organizations are often vastly under-resourced and under-recognized. Together, transgender and non-binary people and cisgender allies, we can all work together to uplift and empower transgender and non-binary communities across the country in the fight for lasting change. So do that in the memory of Julie Doe. And here's to hoping it sounds like they are still using DNA to try and figure out who she was. And with genetic genealogy and the amount of people who are like submitting their DNA to these companies. Like it I feel like it's possible that she will be identified and hopefully she will be able to be identified and her body will be able to return or be returned to people who loved her.
0: That's incredible that they're still like fighting for her like 1988
1: you said like 30 years yeah yeah
0: like even in like cisgender cases like even Mm -hmm. if it was a white woman who was wealthy wealthy, yeah a lot of those cases still just slipped through the cracks because it's just been so long so it's really encouraging to hear that there are still people who are fighting for her yeah and
1: i had never thought about that like i love cold cases and i had never thought what if this person was a trans individual and was misidentified after death and how might that how might that actually impede an investigation because it it, there's a significant chance that them being trans had something to do with why they were murdered and that could actually solve so many crimes yeah
0: it's like how we were talking about that that cop earlier who had the the bone marrow transplant, which yes. like altered his DNA. Yes. Like those kinds of things are nuts. Like I think I tagged you in a meme once that was like some 12 year old girls. Like if I donate my hair to <laughs> locks of love and then the person who receives my wig, if I right. commit a crime right. and my hair is left there, like those are things that I've never thought about before because yeah. I'm like, Oh, DNA is great. It's like
1: infallible. Yeah.
0: Infallible. But then if you think about that, like what if somebody is wearing a wig of someone else's hair
1: like well I feel like that person that- I feel like you could easily be like this was a wig but there's other things where right. it's um there's right. other things for sure to like yeah. be concerned about so that's so crazy yeah so I just thought that that was such yeah. an interesting because I, I really try and remember like when I sit down to write these stories yeah that it is like my knee-jerk instinct I feel like to be drawn to stories that are about women like that me you identify with. that I yeah. identify with like cisgendered white w- young women because like I see myself in them yeah. um and so I have to remember that like these are the kind of stories that i guess also um the fall line did i didn't uh-huh. listen to it but when i was doing research i heard that they have you heard of the fall line
0: yeah i've listened to a couple of the first yeah the first w- season like
1: they focus on cases that didn't get a lot of coverage or maybe were under resourced yeah. because they were um because victims were part of marginalized communities yeah. um and so i wasn't surprised at all to see that the fall yeah. line had done this um but that's part of the exactly right ne- network yeah um and is a tremendous podcast if but
0: you're listening.
1: Karen and Georgia. Karen and Georgia. Okay, listen. If Karen and Georgia are listening, we've oh made God, it. If only Karen and Georgia are listening, oh, everything's been worth happy. it for sure. Um, yeah. So that's the story of Julie Doe, and here's to hoping that she's identified. Yeah. Well, um,
0: my story's a little different.
1: Tell me everything.
0: Um, so I'm gonna take you back to Christmas Eve of 1945. Oh Lord. So we're going way back. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah.
1: Can I tell you something wonderful yeah. about Christmas Eve of 1945 before yeah. you tell me something terrible about Christmas yes. Eve of 1945? So my grandfather was um, a sailor in uh, the Navy during World War II and When he enlisted at the age of 17, like after Pearl Harbor, he told his mother that he would be home by Christmas of 45 Uh and, um, which he had no reason to believe. Like he he told me later that like, he was sure he was going to die. And like, that was just going to be it. Cause that's most, yeah, a bunch of people did, did. yeah. Um, but he told his mom that he'd be home by Christmas of 45. So the war ends, there are no cell phones. There are no like emails, you know, I know hard to believe. So he gets discharged. His uh, um commanding officer writes on his papers that the reason for discharge is because he's seen too much. Oh my god. Yeah, he gets discharged. Um, and, but it's not like he can like let his mom know that he's coming home, you know? So he like, he gets discharged in California. He somehow, I don't know, he like takes a train or something back to Oregon, manages to get a train to Salem. He hitchhikes from Salem to McMinnville, my hometown, knocks on his brother-in-law's door and asks him to like drive him home to the farm. And he made it by Christmas day of 1945 by like 1130 with like 31 oh minutes God. to spare but he made it home by christmas in 1945 bud bud made it that's an amazing Just, story and like, when you think about it like his mom had no idea right right like no idea for two years they have been writing letters she thinks my son's gonna die like yeah. you know because he was in the um pacific arena so like yeah. he's on a ship like dodging like kamikaze planes yeah and and then he shows up on christmas oh right when he said he would yeah if
0: that's not proof that jesus exists
1: listen it's real true and like one of the last christmases that he was alive i remember looking at him and being like you came home 70 years ago today Holy. to this house because that's the house we grew right. up in so i was like you came home to Knocked this, on that door on that door and you were like ma i'm home 70 years ago actually that was his last christmas because the christmas he was 89 um did you
0: ever tell him like When you enlisted, you signed your name and now it's on my arm.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, because I got the tattoo after he died. Also, he always used to say that like "Ah, tattoos, I was in the Navy and I came home without any. So he would be irritated, but like his heart Heart would be be warmed warmed. that it would be his name that I have tattooed from his discharge papers um, on my arm. But uh, yeah, so that's a lovely story before yeah. you tell us a terrible, a terrible story. story. So get back to it. So
0: Christmas Eve, 1945. This is on the East Coast, though. So I was going to say around the time that Bud knocked on the door. Hey, it, it, within but hours. Definitely. Okay, so George and Jenny Sauter had 10 children, which, Whoa. like, holy. So one of their sons was, it says, overseas in the military. Not sure where might have been making his way home now since the war was over. Um, But the rest of the nine children were living at home with them. Um, Three of the oldest children were already asleep by 10 PM. So Marion, age 17, John, age 23. I
1: know this story. Keep going. It's amazing.
0: George Jr. Age 16, which don't you usually name your first?
1: Maybe they didn't like the first one that much. Maybe.
0: Anyways, um, and then the five middle children um, were allowed to stay up later because their older sister, Marion, had just brought them home some gifts. She worked at like a department store or okay. something. Um, so the five middle children who stayed up later were Maurice, who was 14, Louis, 9, Martha, 12, Jenny, Jenny 8, and Betty, 5.
1: Um, so it was spanning 10 children from 5 to 23?
0: from 2 to twenty.
1: holy hell yeah okay so
0: then the youngest daughter sylvia who was two and um jenny go to sleep at like 10 so jenny brings the toddler in into the room with her and george sleeps in the in their room with them because they probably have nowhere else yeah seriously that her.
1: that house is just flooded with kids right.
0: so the mom jenny tells the five younger children you can stay up as long as Maurice and Lewis are still up because they were like the older two of that right. f- group of five. And she tells them just as long as when you're ready to go to bed, you close the curtains, you turn the lights off and like lock the doors, make sure everything's, you know, good to go, which they had done this a few times before. So it's not like this new thing. It, it is a special occasion, but it's not like new to that. Right.
1: Also it's Christmas.
0: Right. Yeah. So at 10, at 10, Jenny, George and Sylvia go to bed. And then at 1230, Jenny, um, wakes up to the phone ringing. And so she answers the phone and it's this woman's voice that she doesn't recognize. And the woman asks for somebody that doesn't live at the house and then laughs and hangs up. So she's like, that's weird. Whatever. I'm going back to bed. And then at some point she, um, as she's like walking back to bed, she realizes that the lights are still on and the curtains are still open. Um, But one of the kids is asleep on the couch. So she's like, oh, the rest of them probably just went back to bed and just forgot. Like, it's Christmas. That's okay. Um, And then Jenny went back to bed. And a few minutes later, she hears a loud thud on their roof. And then something, like, loudly rolling off the roof. But That's
1: really... I can just like hear that in my head. Yeah. And that's a very scary sound.
0: Yeah. We yeah. have a giant avocado tree. So it's not. I hear. Weird. It, I have one in
1: my yard too. And when oh, you really? hear it, it's, but it's, it's like scary when you, before you realize what it is. Yeah.
0: It always takes a second to like, Oh yeah. yeah avocados.
1: But <laughs> Ah, California.
0: But like, I don't know if they had a tree near them, but they did have snow. So she was like, maybe it's just snow melting. She's also has already been woken up once. It's Christmas. She's like, whatever. Maybe a bird died. I'm going to go. Or, like, a tree branch fell. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then, a little bit later at 1 a.m., she wakes up to the smell of smoke. And so now she's awake. She's freaking out. Um, she runs out of the house with Sylvia. And in the initial evacuation, George and Jenny, the parents, um, and Sylvia, the two year olds, um, make it out outside, also with Marion, who was 17, John, 23, and George Jr., 16 who were the other three that were already asleep, who went to sleep earlier. Um, And realizing that five of the children were still inside, George goes back into the house to call the fire chief. (coughs) Excuse me. Because obviously there wasn't 911 back then. He went back to the burning house to call the fire chief? Okay. And to also look for for the the kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So somebody needed to call the fire chief to have the fire chief start this like phone tree. So like he would call one of the firefighters who would then call another one and another Gosh, one and another It's a good thing one. we live
1: in modernity. Right? Yeah.
0: So their phone wasn't working, but he's like I'm already inside. I'm going to ha- I'm going to go try and get the other kids out while I'm in here. And the stairs that lead up to the r- the rest of the kids' um rooms is on fire. So he's like, okay, I got to figure out another way. He p- goes back outside. He sends one of his sons to the neighbors to go call the fire chief. Sorry, <laughs> right, I keep coughing.
1: Maybe that's what gin does to you. I know that'd be weird.
0: <laughs> um, So George is like, I'm going to get my ladder. I always leave my ladder on the side of the house. I'll use that and I'll climb into the kid's room and pull him out. The ladder's gone. Later, they find it like 65 feet away in a ditch, which is like, that's in- that's someone far. moved it on purpose right that's not just like oh i oh, had I it over
1: here because i was trimming this tree in the yard or like yeah. i was getting this from the barn like
0: it's like more than half a football
1: field yeah. away in a ditch no nope,
0: that's that's yards it's far away it's far also
1: you don't need a ladder in the ditch right call me crazy i'm gonna take a stand on this yeah you don't fight us <laughs> at us
0: at us um and so then he's like okay i'm our house is doomed. I'm going to drive my truck right up next to the house. Get as close as yeah, I can. Pull my whatever. kids out. I don't need, I don't care about damaging my yard or whatever. Yeah. He has two work trucks. Neither of them will start.
1: Oh my gosh. He
0: used them earlier that day. Because him and his other sons work together. Doing some kind of manual labor that's unimportant. But neither of the trucks will start now. So he's kind of like... Uh, I don't have anything else to do. So he kinda stands around waiting for the fire chief to arrive. The fire chief arrives at eight AM. The fire started at one. So by now there's Oh my not. So Seven hours. Seven hours, what did I say?
1: No, I'm just saying oh, I'm repeating. No, you said that correctly. Yeah. Um you said the fire started at one, at one and they didn't get there till eight. eight. Yeah.
0: So seven hours. It took seven hours for the police for th- the fire department to get there wow. which is nuts because now it's like two minutes yeah so they all assumed that the rest of the five children were inside and somehow died in the fire obviously they weren't able to escape um but as they're searching they don't initially find any remains so the coroner um just said oh the pro- the fire probably just cremated them and this is what years is 45 45
1: so like you were saying before we started recording that John Mulaney bit about people getting away with crimes before like the dawn of forensic Mm -hmm. science I feel like especially with a fire you just be like well guess so I bet they're in there somewhere yeah yeah yeah
0: so the coroner uh, issues five death certificates of each kid all stating either fire or suffocation as the cause of death um, and the fire inspector determines that the fire was caus- caused by faulty wiring. Um, and they held, like, a jury to, like, confirm it. So a jury confirms that the fire was probably due to faulty wiring. Um, but George noticed that the Christmas lights on their house were still on as the house was burning. And that wouldn't happen if there was, like, an electrical issue. Yeah. Um I don't know if you've ever plugged in too many things yeah. or for me, it's my space heater. Yeah. Well, sometimes like short circuit mm-hmm. and all the power goes out. So if there was, it's
1: not like one lamp stays on. Right. Yeah.
0: If there was some kind of issue with wiring, like the Christmas lights would go out too. So he's kind of suspicious of that, but you know, he's still grieving. So he's not quite like, yeah, you can't even begin to wrap yeah. around it. Um, and then a telephone repairman also comes out and says that the phone line to their house was deliberately cut, which he says would have been like they would have had to do and would have taken a lot of special tools and stuff. So wow. s- the telephone repairman was like, yeah, somebody did this on purpose, um, which it would have had to been cut sometime between the prank call and the fire happening, which was only 30 minutes. So the prank call came in at 1230 and then they woke up to the fire at one. Um and then after like the snow had melted um they they were um jenny and george were going back and forth um to the property because they were gonna build like a memorial garden um and sylvia had found this like hard rubber ball that she was playing with in like the ashes and george immediately recognized it as what he called a pineapple bomb which i googled and i think it's like a firework oh um and a bus driver driver had reported seeing a group of people throwing balls of fire onto the solder house on Christmas Eve. So oh my gosh. He had reported it and like nobody ever really did anything with that. Um, so they're thinking maybe these people were throwing fireworks onto their house. And that's what Jenny heard when she heard that thud on their roof. Sure. Um, and then while they're sifting through the ashes, they find their kitchen appliances that have looked like they're like still intact, like they haven't melted or anything. So they start getting really suspicious. They're like, my KitchenAid mixer is fine, but my kids are right completely disintegrated. Yeah. That doesn't make sense. So Jenny contacts their local crematorium who says that even if a fire burns for two hours at a hundred and... I'm sorry, at a thousand and a hundred. At
1: 100 degrees. <laughs> at
0: 1100 degrees <laughs> right. Celsius, I assume is sure. what this giant sea means. <laughs> Listen, Didn't we're Americans. We
1: cannot be bothered. Yeah. Yeah. A
0: thousand degrees. Yeah. It would still leave bone fragments. It would. It would. And like, I've heard a lot of stories yeah. of like coroners and people working at crematoriums saying like, Okay, Ryan just came in and took his drink and left. That's right. I guess he thinks that we don't need to be babysat
1: during this podcast anymore.
0: So I've heard a lot of professionals say, even when we like cremate people, there's still like bone fragments in there.
1: Right. No, there is. There's teeth. Yeah. There's bone fragments. Absolutely. It's almost
0: impossible to completely disintegrate those things. So they start to get really suspicious of like, okay, why weren't there any bone fragments in this? So they put up like a billboard in their town. So they live in Fayetteville, um, West Virginia. So they put a billboard up and they put um, like flyers up places. They put out a reward. Man, gin really gets Seriously, me coughing. Man, what knew? is happening? Maybe you're take allergic a drink to something else. Yeah, take a drink of water. So people start coming in with stories that they've seen these kids so a woman um, who witnessed the fire says that she saw the children in a passing car with their heads out the windows so she's thinking like oh they were in a car at the time she just thought like oh they were going somewhere else to get away from the fire or whatever she didn't really think it was suspicious Um, another witness said that she saw them at a rest stop 50 miles away from their house Um, And she said that she served them breakfast and had noticed Florida license plates on the car that they came in. Um, And another woman working in a hotel that was about an hour away from their house um, said that she recognized them when she saw their pictures in the paper. Um, And with the children, there were two men and two women. Um, And they were all of what she called Italian extraction. (laughs) Um, So Italian immigrants, Um, which the Sodders, um George and Jenny were also Italian immigrants, which will be relevant later. Um okay. but isn't isn't necessarily relevant to who they were and who their children were. Okay. Um and so they checked into the hotel around midnight and they stayed in just one room. So it's four adults and five children who stayed in this one room that that this woman who says that she saw them. Um and she tried to talk to them. And the men were super hostile and refused to let the children speak. Um, and then the next day they left. So she thought that was super suspicious, so she reported it. Um, and as they're, like, hearing these stories, um, George is becoming very convinced that the mafia is involved. Um, in Fayetteville, at the time, there was a really large Italian population there, um, and which is one of the reasons why George and Jenny decided to settle there. Because they were both Italian immigrants. So they, you know, felt comfortable. They probably had connections. I think I'm just talking too fast.
1: (laughs) I think (laughs) maybe that's why I keep coughing. No, I think uh, Jin made me talk really fast too. So maybe it's the same. It doesn't sound like you're talking very fast. Okay. So don't worry.
0: So a few months before the fire, a man came by the solder home asking about like some work. Either he wanted to hire George for work, Or he was trying to say like hey i can do some manual labor around your house okay um it wasn't clear if he was propositioning work or if he was trying to hire um but he was walking around their house and he noticed a couple of fuse boxes and he said to george this is going to cause a fire someday which george thought was super weird because a few days earlier he had had the boxes checked out by the local power company wow and the power company said no these look fine So he thought it was super weird that this random person was saying this because the boxes were checked out. Right. Um, And then also a few months before the fire, a man came to the house trying to sell life insurance. And George, like, declined. He was like, I don't need life insurance. And the guy said, your goddamn house is going up in smoke because he was so mad that George wouldn't buy life insurance.
1: I'm in sales, and I can assure you that that's not a great tactic. Yeah.
0: He was like, "Oh, you're right. You're right. Sign insurance. me up.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. But George was extremely outspoken of his dislike for Mussolini, who at the time was the Italian dictator. Mm-hmm. If you don't know history, <laughs> um, he had actually gotten into a few heated arguments with people, um, because again, there were a lot of Italian immigrants in this community in Fayetteville, um, and then around the same time, somebody who was said to have been part of the mafia and pro Mussolini um, had gotten into an argument with George and had said, your kids are going to be destroyed and you're going to be paid for all the dirty remarks you have been making about Mussolini. Wow. So he had been threatened due to his dislike of Mussolini. Um, And I had had these weird comments made about fires. Um, So they, George and Jeannie start putting things together um, and they actually, two years after the fire, take all of their um, evidence and take it to the FBI. And J. Edgar Hoover himself even himself even looks over it. And he says that they have a very solid case and that he would be willing to investigate if the local authorities complied. Because they were the ones who had jurisdiction. Um, unfortunately, the local authorities didn't want the FBI involved, so they wouldn't let them investigate. Um so this only supported the saw the solder's theory that there was a cover-up so they're like if if you don't care about the fbi coming in like you would let them come in but right. you, you don't want them to find something yeah is what they were thinking so they decided to hire a private investigator um and the private investigator his name was tinsley his his last name they called him c tinsley Um, And he discovered the man who said that there was faulty wiring on the power boxes. So the guy who like came in asking for work was actually on the jury to determine if the fire was due to faulty wiring or not. Oh my
1: gosh. I forgot about that.
0: Yeah. So um, he didn't, wasn't able to really do anything about that. He was just able to kind of discover that fact, but they had already determined that the fire was due to faulty wiring. So there was no going back. Yeah. Um, Tinsley also discovered something super strange. And this is where things get, like, really weird. A priest had confided in Tinsley that the fire chief um, had made a confession that he had discovered a human heart in the ashes. What? And that when he found it, he put it in a metal box, and he buried it in the ashes, which is, like, weird so okay tinsley convinced the fire chief to lead them to the heart in a box and he did so he took them to this spot i don't yeah your
1: your husband husband is literally playing basketball in the living room right now while we're trying to making a ruckus yeah there will be words excuse us ball is life okay keep going
0: back to the heart in a box yes ground yes So Tinsley and the fire chief go to this spot in the ground where the fire chief has said, yeah, I buried a human heart right here. So they dig and they find a box and inside is a beef liver. What? That hasn't been charred at all. So the chief says, yeah, I did that. I I took a beef liver and I put it in a box, you know, hoping that you guys would think it was a human heart that I found in the ashes. And he said, what? You said, I just wanted to convince the family that their children really did die in the fire. I just wanted to give them some sort of closure.
1: I feel like there are a lot less weird slash easier ways yeah. to do that.
0: Like, that just blows my mind that somebody would, like, go through that to, like... That's bizarre. Find a beef liver.
1: Also, I'm going to confess it. this to a priest. The priest is then going to break the vow yeah. of priesthood. And...
0: I'm sure it wasn't like a real confession. I'm sure it was like a hey. This is my confession. (laughs) Exactly.
1: (laughs) That's wild. Okay.
0: So four years after the fire, the Sodders hire a pathologist to do more forensic examinations of the the scene. So they had um, covered the scene in dirt because they were going to plant a memorial garden. Um, So the pathologist comes out and there's, you know, there's a big layer of dirt, but then there's still also all the ashes. They didn't like clean the scene up or anything. So everything is still preserved there, but now there's just also dirt. So they have to dig a little more, but they end up finding several small shards of human vertebrae. Um, So they send it off to the Smithsonian um, and they determine that all the bones belong to one person. And they estimate the age of this person between 17 and 22. Which is strange because the oldest missing solder child was 14 at the time. Yeah. So they're like, these are somebody's bones. These are not our children's bones.
1: Yeah. There's another part of me that's like, it's 1948. Right. But also, that's neither here nor there. It could go one way or the other. One way or the other. Yeah.
0: So the Smithsonian determines that the bones were probably in the dirt that George put down when he wanted to start the Memorial Garden—it's
1: even more yikes, right? Yeah,
0: right. Which is also like, all right, then who's that? Yeah, seriously. Where do it get leads the dirt?
1: To some more problems.
0: We'll talk about that later, maybe. Sure.
1: <laughs> After we figure this thing yeah. out. Yeah.
0: So now we're at least like four years removed from this. There are still stories of sightings coming in, and George and Jenny are still convinced that their kids did not die in the fire, wow. which. Like, their theory is that somebody came in, pulled them out, or convinced them to come out. And that's why, you know, the curtains were still open, all the lights were on, and then they set the house on fire. So, I'm going to share a couple more stories about some sightings that these are some of the more credible ones. Okay. So, a woman in St. Louis had written and claimed that Martha was living in a convent, um, but they weren't able to go out there and visit the woman who was... Um, saying that she thought that Martha was there Because it was a convent um, A bartender in Texas Reported a conversation of two people Who were bragging about the fire And the kidnapping um, But George went out there And couldn't track down those people um, George saw a photo of a ballet dancer From New York City And he was like dead set That this was his daughter Betty Who was five at the time And he drove up there and he tried, but they would not let him see this girl because mm-hmm. they were like, you're a crazy person. Yeah. Um, and then in Houston, a woman wrote to George saying that she knew a man who had drunkenly claimed to be Lewis Sauter. And so George drove down there um, and he couldn't find the woman who wrote to him. But he went to the police um, and the police. Um, he like described the man to the police and the police were like, we know exactly who you're talking about. They took him to the man. And this man denies the conversation ever taking place. He says, I'm not Lewis Sauter. I never had that conversation. Um, but seeing him, George was so convinced that he was Lewis Sauter. And even to his deathbed, he believed that that man was. Wow.
1: Lewis, wow. Which is
0: crazy. Like it's been a long time. Yeah. But like, I feel like if I saw Micah. Yeah. I w- You're going to have to I beep saw, that out. Sorry, Ryan. <laughs> If I saw my son, yeah. I would know.
1: Yeah, it's either like the strength of parental instinct, or it's the, the weight p- of want, grief. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the wanting
0: so bad. Yeah. Um, so at this time, they still had the the billboard set up, um, and they were at this point offering a ten thousand dollar reward, um, and somebody sent a photo in that looked like Lewis, so that also looked like the same man that George thought was Lewis. Wow. Um, and on the back was written Lewis Sodder, I love brother Frankie. I little boys. So probably didn't mean little boys, but I L I L boys a nine zero one three two. And none of this ever made sense except for Lewis Sodder. Yeah. Because he didn't have a brother named Frankie. They couldn't figure out what the little boys or the random numbers were. Um, and the Sodders hired a detective to try and track it down. But the detective, as he was tracking it down, disappeared. Oh, okay. So they think that he just ran away with their money. Yeah. But it sounds a lot more suspicious if he disappeared. Yeah. (laughs) They ended up putting this photo up alongside of the other pictures of their children's from before they went missing because they were so convinced that that picture was actually Lewis. Wow. I know. So in 1968, George finally he admitted like we don't have any more leads we don't have anything else yeah um he says we just want answers like if they really did die in that fire like we just really need to be convinced because we just haven't seen any evidence of that um and after the fire jenny only dressed in black until the day she oh. died that is so heartbreaking and george died in 1969 Jenny spent the remainder of her life tending to the memorial garden. Wow. And in 1989, when she died, is when the billboard was finally removed. Wow. And um, in the article that I was reading from the Smithsonian, their last daughter, Sylvia, was still alive, and she was about 60. Um but I don't know when that came out. I guess I could have done the math.
1: <laughs> I feel like I, I recently at listened to an episode about this, like in the last yeah. few years. And it, I think Sylvia was still alive. Yeah. Cause if she was how old when the fire happened Two. two. So she's probably still alive. If yeah. it was 45.
0: Yeah. Um, and she's still like, so she in her seventies now. Yeah. So she still says like, yeah, I'd, like growing up, we never believed that my siblings died in that fire. Like, we don't have any other evidence. Like we don't know what happened to them, but we think that the mafia had something to do with it and we don't think they died.
1: That's the worst kind of not knowing. Like yeah. it's one thing to have all your children die that way, which is horrible, horrible beyond words, but then the not knowing and then spending the rest of your life not knowing that's horrific. Yeah. That is one of those like incredible mysteries though, yeah. that like if, I would hope that if Sylvia is still alive, which I would imagine that she is, I mean, I don't know who you'd track down to do like DNA, right. but I'm like, girl, submit your ancestry DNA, right. 23andMe, Jedmatch, like figure. Who knows? Because if yeah. she can, like if she gets connected with maybe like great grandkids. Right. Or like distant cousins that yeah. she doesn't know. Like there's be like girl, hire like a genetic genealogist. I mean, but if there's nothing out there, that's just going to be like so right. frustrating and sad. But um, yeah, that's one of those that like, I would love to see. Yeah. Solved. The wow. That's, yeah. that's such a fascinating story though. I know.
0: I wonder if like, now that we have better technology, I don't want them to ruin the memorial garden, but I was going to say if they can go in and like, yeah, maybe find some kind of dust that they're like, this dust is human bone. And they're like,
1: just looked like dust right did you ever listen to someone knows something on yes oh my god the season where it's the little boy who disappeared around the lake yes um when he was like six and that it reminds me of that story because it's this not knowing of like did he drown in the lake did Did he he die in the woods or is was he kidnapped and now it's like 40 years later and we just don't know like that's the most horrible thing to me i check for updates on that case oh me all the time um,
0: that guy needs to do another season He's a hundred. Yeah. That, I think that's the one that got me really into CBC. Yeah. And I, I love a Canadian mm-hmm. or a Southern accent. Yeah. Those are my two favorites. I think
1: we can agree that Canada's doing better at everything than we are. Yeah. Yeah. David, something, someone knows yeah, something. Yeah.
0: It it's like an S. Yeah.
1: It's, that's, a f- that's good. Yeah. Excellent job retelling that story. Cause that's a Thank lot you. like there's a lot there. Yeah. Um,
0: and I'm sure I only covered because there's so tiny many little details yeah. that like
1: mean a lot, but also don't necessarily lead yeah. to anything. And yeah, that's phenomenal. Yeah. Also, I'm really glad if you listened to the episode before this, I didn't tell the Kamiya DNA story during this episode oh, because it yeah, would have been two DNA stories. Um, I mean, it could have been like a theme yeah. or something. We don't do that. We don't do that kind we don't of stuff. Do that that kind um, so I have a, I have a detox question oh, for you. Cause if, I, I didn't look one up. If you're a new listener, detox is the part of our show where we detox from a horror we've just talked about, um, and from our drinks, uh, by asking each other a question to get yes. to know each other better. Mm. And, cleanse y- palettes. and cleanse our palates. And cleanse our palates. So, uh, Emily, if you could kill any fashion trend forever, oh. what would it be? Man, that's tough. Yeah. It's gone from the face of the earth forever. You can do it. I believe in you. I feel like there's a lot. There's a lot. It's just hard for me to pick just one. I have my answer. Do you want to think about it for a um, second? Yeah. It. This came to me immediately. Low rise jeans. Ooh, yeah because even like i am at a point in my life where i can't i don't even like low-rise yoga pants yeah like i need some some support and some coverage (laughs) from my yoga pants um but i feel like low-rise jeans are attempting a comeback and i feel like as a people as a nation we we need to come together and just say no no absolutely not
0: i was gonna say crop tops and now i'm going to because the low-rise jeans and crop top pairing was a thing See, and I, I love a good
1: high waist jean and crop top. Correct. Yeah. I guess I But the two. Yeah, the, the, the Britney Spears together. look you're not into. Yeah. That's fair. That's a good one. I also, guess
0: really I'm going for like tube tops.
1: Mm. Oh like not yeah. like the
0: cute, oversized but short crop yeah, yeah, top. Yeah, yeah. Like like tube tops of like I am purposefully showing you my Of midriff. yesteryear.
1: that caused I could just remember in the fifth grade being made to um get on my knees and like make sure that the skirt my my skirt was like touching and then it was like if you reached your hands all the way in the air and like any midriff showed you had to change your shirt um and another podcast another time we'll talk about how dress codes and policing young women's bodies are part of rape culture but that's not what this podcast is about listen to our other podcasts we went to private schools that's a good one. Oh, how nice uh executive producer ryan guzman has uh oh, he good. has back. he has made it back to the podcast um you're gonna have to bleep out your son's name from this one because emily said it
0: and you weren't here to mark and the time. you so weren't here so problem.
1: sucks to suck that's not funny he was joking that nothing recorded while he was in the other room yeah. playing basketball and being very loud while we were trying to record a podcast yeah he's, so he's And he's the sound. (laughs) He's the sound. He's He's sleeping on the couch. He is for sure sleeping on the couch, and I don't blame you. Maybe all week. Yeah. Um. Well, this has been the best. This has. M. Uh. Here's to us. Here's to us. And to true. Here, we'll clink some bottles together for this because it's a good sound effect. Here's to. Cheers. Cheers. (laughs) Hey, right. you know what? It's, it's a good teamwork there. Ying and yang. Clinkity, clink, 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 clink. clink, clink. clink.